0: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast, presented, of course, by who else but DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, Washington, Dallas, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland for a glorious month in 2006. None of that really matters right now. What matters is that we happen to have the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the galaxy over the last, I don't know, let's just call it five years. I read an article like two or three years ago when Joe and I started that they ranked them number one. I'm just going with that forever. He might have stunk the last two years. I have no idea, but I do have two screenshots that say he was the best at one point. Good enough for me. I'm just hosting the show, okay? His name's Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan is where you should go ahead and follow him. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. And what I'm trying to do is help you guys win win bragging rights, win money, win whatever it is that you need to do. Part of the way you do that is you go to fantasypoints.com and you use the code 22FEAST for all of their incredible information. One of the other ways you do that is you go to either myfrontpagestory.com and have all your wildest dreams come true or you sign up to follow me at Ross Tucker NFL or us at Ross Tucker pod. So you actually get a free Madden code because I still have four more to give away, which is amazing. Speaking of amazing, Joe, there's a lot to get to. We already have injuries. Now I talked to Dr. Chow this morning on the Ross Tucker football podcast. So I have some insight into Najee Harris, Elijah Mitchell. I'm going to attempt to actually provide value on this show, which has been a goal of mine for quite some time. We will start with the Chargers and the Chiefs Thursday night, Joe. People are not happy with Austin Eckler from Sunday. No Keenan Allen. They haven't ruled him out. I am ruling him out. I now decide these things. He's not going to play, Joe. What does it mean?
1: So, um, let, let let's take a look at a couple of things. First and foremost, you look at uh, the Chargers with when it comes to um, uh, Joshua Palmer and DeAndre Carter. Okay, so DeAndre Carter got in there and played in the slot when uh, Keenan Allen went down. But I think the guy that I'm really focusing on is Josh Palmer here. Um, in Allen's absence. Uh, In week one, Palmer played on 75% of the snaps, and although he caught just three passes for five yards, he played one game without Keenan Allen last year, and he basically slid right into his slot role. It was late in season against the Giants. Uh, He had seven targets. He caught five of them for 66 yards and a touchdown. Um, He played 87% of the snaps. That's going to be the chalky play. He's clearly on the wide receiver three radar. And as a matter of fact, if you look at this game, the Chargers are four-point underdogs. That got bet up as, as high as four and a half as it opened as a pick'em. Uh, But people are really impressed with what the Chiefs did. Fifty-four and a half is the total in this game. That's the highest of the week. So there should be a lot of points in this game. So Josh Palmer, you can make an argument on the wide receiver two radar. Um, Mike Williams was a ghost in week one, but I would presume that Mike Williams will get a boost uh, in this environment. Um, the Chiefs are going to be down Trent McDuffie, who is um, their, their rookie um, uh, first-round pick who was who was playing in week one, doing pretty well before he went down with an injury. So there's an opportunity for points to be scored here. DeAndre Carter did score a touchdown in week one, and I think for those playing single-game DFS and, and maybe even full slate Thursday to Monday on DraftKings could use him as a money-saving tactic in a potential high-scoring game. The one thing I will say about Eckler, though, uh, Ross, uh, w- when it comes to him, Behind him is what's more concerning to me. Um, Joshua Kelly and, and Sony Michelle split the snaps behind him. So there's really not a clear number two there. I am going to consider Eckler's week one um, uh, maybe a blip on the radar until we learn more. Not sure if he picked up a minor injury. He's not on the injury report. Uh, there was a situation where I think he limped off the field a little bit, but he is not on the injury report. He only played 49% of the snaps in week one, though. That's the fourth lowest he's had in a game over the last three seasons combined. For now, it's a piece of information to file away as opposed to something that I consider panic-worthy or actionable.
0: I could tell on social media... Some people were not happy. They're never going to play him again. They were very upset. Yeah, those people shouldn't play fantasy football, by the way.
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's going to happen, Ross. It is going to happen. Your star is going to lay an egg at some point. Like, you got to adjust. You got to roll with the punches.
0: Yeah, well, I think they were were playing DFS, but.
1: um, Uh Oh, well, that, well, yeah, well, sorry. Yeah, yeah. that'll do it.
0: (laughs) They said never again. Chiefs, spread it around pretty good. Travis Kelsey's still the man. Ross, here. I, I want. I, I want to play a little
1: game with you here. I'm excited. Patrick Mahomes has played five games in his career without Tyreek Hill. What is the lowest number of passing yards he's had in those five games?
0: Three
1: hundred twenty-eight. Three hundred fifteen. Wow. Three hundred fifteen. He's had. He's had. 400 he's had as many as 443 he's thrown for three or more touchdowns in three of those five games now that's obviously a a, a testament to Patrick Mahomes now here's the thing though when it comes to Mahomes I'm not sure that Arizona defense was competitive like that that was an embarrassing embarrassment like that that team has horrifying vibes their secondary is terrible jj watt was out so i'm not sure how much i want to glean from that but we know mahomes is good okay like that that's that's obvious there's going to be some ups and downs we saw it last year but we know mahomes is good um he's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt without tyreek hill on the field in his career um but you're right they mixed it around this was kind of a wide receiver by committee Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster led them when routes run with 35. Nicole Hardman had 27. And then Justin Watson and Sky Moore only had single-digit routes. We'll see if that evolves throughout the year as I expect it to. Um, The one thing I I will tell fantasy players not to overreact to, not saying you can't pick them up, not saying you can't hold them on your roster. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to make anybody's worst day. But Isaiah Pacheco only had four snaps over the first three quarters of that game. All Everything he did um, statistically basically came in garbage time. Edwards Alaire, and Jarek McKinnon split the snaps essentially right down the middle. They also split the snaps inside the 10-yard line. And now you'll remember that that's an area where Daryl Williams had a lot of action in the past They got Clyde Edwards-Alaire two touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. I consider that a positive. If you drafted Edwards-Alaire in, like, the seventh, eighth round of your draft, he was probably either a low-end RB2 in your draft or maybe a high-end flex that's a guy I'm, I'm using, and I'm interested to see what Jarek McKinnon's role is in what should be a more competitive game. The Chargers are going to give the Chiefs way more problems than the Cardinals did. The Chargers' defense was all over Derek Carr, even without J.C. Jackson. I don't expect J.C. Jackson to play in this game, um, but Khalil Mack was dominant in his first game. They got Bryce Callahan. Um, who's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. The Charger defense is going to provide way more of a challenge to the Chiefs. I'm excited to take information away from this Chiefs game because I want to see what their team looks like in a more competitive environment, and I'm expecting it on Thursday night.
0: What about the Dolphins in Baltimore against the Ravens, Joe? Yeah,
1: so we've got Miami catching three and a half on the highway in this game. Uh, It is a 44 and a half point total. Now that has been bet down. The total has been bet down from 46. That was the opening total. And part of the reason is because I think um, Mike McDaniel came out and said, hey, you know, we like what the offense did, but this is still the defense's team. And, uh, and you know, the, the Ravens put up 24 in week one on on a non-competitive Jets team. Again, co- expecting more com- competition in this game. But for Mike McDaniel, they were 61% pass on early downs. Um, a lot of play action, which is Tua Tonka big time. That's his. That's his forte. Um, Tyree Kill had the fifth highest wide receiver. This will be a theme on this program, by the way. Wide receivers in new homes getting absolutely peppered with targets in Week One. Tyree Kill had the fifth highest target share in Week One. Um, Jalen Waddle scored the long touchdown. Mike Gesicki, as we feared, is just a zero. Like they do not like him in this offense I hope he gets traded somewhere uh where he can where his talents can go off but he ran fewer routes than 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 a Durham Smythe in this game so Mike Kosicki is completely unusable he's droppable in my mind um Chase Edmonds double Raheem Mostert's carries more routes run than Raheem Mostert in week one Edmonds is the clear number one back for the Miami Dolphins right now he's on the RB2 radar against Baltimore here in week number two. Mostert is just a bench hold at this point for me. Um, but good signs. Uh, I think they're, they're going to use play action with Tua. Now, I didn't think Tua was overly sharp in that game. With the weapons he has, it might not matter.
0: What about the Ravens? They didn't run it great. Uh, it was interesting, by the way. Dr. Chow said on the pro, uh, on Ross Tucker podcast today, he doesn't expect J.K. Dobbins until October which I thought was noteworthy Yeah. Did Your you hear thoughts on the Ravens.
1: I mean, did Dr. Chow obviously go into the fact that apparently he tore his hamstring in addition to his ACL and his LCL. And that's a horrifying injury.
0: It's Don not me. good. Nah, yeah. And, and he was acting like he'd be back for the first game. I don't know when he'll be uh, back. Yeah.
1: He was hooting and hollering at anybody on Twitter who suggested otherwise. Hey, good, good for you. But, uh, Uh, You know, I don't need to be on anybody's bad side, but obviously he's not ready to go. Um, I think it speaks to what they think of this backfield, that Kenyon Drake, who they picked up off the scrap heap like a week and a half ago, led them in snaps, like by far, by the way, 59%. He's the only running back here you can even consider using. Mike Davis, 12% of the snaps. I mean, he looks like he was a throwaway fantasy pick at the end of the year. Um, Lamar Jackson hasn't scored a rushing touchdown since early in 2021. And his 17 rushing yards in week one was his lowest total since week five of 2020. Unfortunately, um, he threw three touchdown passes. That'll help. Um, that'll help settle matters up. But you want to see Lamar Jackson run a little bit more. And you have to wonder if he will again in a more competitive game. Now the Ravens are going to be down most likely to their number three offensive tackle. That's Patrick McCurry, uh, their left tackle because Ronnie Stanley's still dealing with the ankle injury from last year. And Juwan James tore his Achilles in the week one opener. They cannot stay healthy on the offensive line, but McCarty has done an incredible job. I think he started out as a guard. Now he's kind of like cross-trained to be a swing tackle. He's done a really good job and has been a key player for them. But ultimately, you want to see Ronnie Stanley back. I'm just not sure it's going to be um, this week. Uh, The Ravens do not have great wide receiver depth. Um, They had multiple tight ends on the field for 43% of their passing plays in week one, which quite frankly was fewer than I expected. Um, But Mark Andrews is their number one receiver. We need more out of Rashad Bateman. Again, not sure how much this had to do with playing a non-competitive game. But uh, Bateman just had two catches. Fortunately, he had the 55 yard touchdown, which really helps matters. Um, But he played just 66% of the snaps and he ran a route on 73.5% of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks, which is not what you want to see from a number one wide receiver. Mark Andrews, by contrast, ran a route on 94% of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks. So when it comes to Rashad Bateman, I want to see more. I'm not panicking. Let's see what happens again in a more competitive environment. We should get that. These are just some stats to note. By the way, Devin Duvernay he scored two touchdowns but didn't run nearly as many routes as even Bateman did. So I'm um, he's he's a viable pickup, but uh, prepare to be disappointed. Let's put it that way.
0: The Jets are playing the Browns. Looks like Joe Flacco starting again at quarterback. Joe, I
1: mean Joe Flacco dropped back sixty times. I mean, how how are you? I don't know how a team in 2022 can expect to be competitive when Joe Flacco's dropping back six times. The line has moved here. um, It opened at four and a half. It has moved to the Browns minus six across the board. The over-under opened at 43 and a half. That's been bet down to 39 and a half in a lot of spots, which says to me, everybody expects a god-awful fantasy game here. Now, Brees Hall and Michael Carter combined for 19 targets in week one. I'm really not sure what's going to happen going forward there. Carter played well, but he also dropped a touchdown at the end of the game. I think both of those guys are flex plays right now. Um, Carter got 11 early down carries um, to Brees Hall six, but they ran virtually the same number of routes, Uh, 28 for Carter to 27 for Hall. Um, Carter held the snap edge, but both of these – this is a backfield split right now, and they're both kind of flex plays for me. Um, Garrett Wilson is officially the number three wide receiver behind Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Um, Moore was by far the number one receiver for the Jets running around on 90% of Joe Flacco's dropbacks. Um, Davis was at 68% and Wilson at 56%. Really the only, I know Corey Davis came through at the end. Really the only wide receiver you can consider in my mind from the New York Jets at this point is, um, is Elijah Moore. And here is a note for you tight end streamers out there. Tyler Conklin, tight end for the Jets, was one of only five tight ends in week one to, to run 90% or more of, the, of his offensive snaps. He blew away CJ Uzoma in both snap count and, and routes run. Tyler Con- I know uh, you want to hold your nose when you're dealing with Joe Flacco, but Tyler Conklin is basically the undisputed number one tight end. He scored their only touchdown. Just something out there. Maybe you you had a tight end you're disappointed by in week one. Tyler Conklin's available in virtually every Yahoo League, and he was out there for virtually every snap. That is something that is worth pointing out.
0: Browns are interesting. We know Chubb's a stud. They did feed Kareem Hunt. Not a lot from Njoku or Amari Cooper. People's Jones had a decent day, Joe.
1: Yeah, so... What you don't want to hear if you have David Njoku for fantasy, by the way, he played 87% of the snaps, so he was out there quite a bit. But what you don't want to hear is uh, what the – Uh, Kevin Stefanski said, oh, he did a great job in his role as a blocker. Yeah, that's what you want to hear from your fantasy tight end. One catch for seven yards. uh, He's on the bench until further notice. But otherwise, the Browns played kind of exactly how we anticipated they would play. They were extremely run heavy on early downs, 61.8%, third highest rate in week one. Um, And it's the exact same backfield split we've, we've always seen. Nick Chubb had double Kareem Hunt's carries. 22 to 11 hunt, doubled Chubb and routes run 25 to 12. Both of them are weekly starters for me because this is how I anticipate the Cleveland Browns are going to play offense. Um, and Jacoby percent did not play well in this game. Um, just 67% of his throws were, were deemed catchable and on target by pro football focus. Um, which is probably part of the problem with Amari Cooper, who's more like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four than anything. Peoples Jones, he's got a lot of ability. He's a bench stash for me. Not somebody I'm excited to play without more data uh, and and without more data points and without more information um, than just one game from the Jacoby Brissett era of the Cleveland Browns offense.
0: Washington's in Detroit and Carson Wentz is doing Carson Wentz things, Joe. Maybe more positive Yeah. Than we expected.
1: So this is interesting, uh, Ross. Detroit is favored for the first time in 20 games. They're one and a half point favorites bet down. This was when this opened, the Durs were a two and a half point favorite. That has flipped. The Lions are now favored by a point and a half. I believe that got up to as high as two and a half. Um, And the over has been bet up from an opening line of 45 and a half to 49. So a lot of over money. I think a lot of people saw. Washington in week one, a lot of weapons for Carson Wentz. Detroit in week one, dominant run game, a lot of weapons for Jared Goff. A lot of sharp bettors are out there saying there is only one way to bet, uh, uh, only one way to bet the Lions right now, and it is the over. So that is something where the Lions could be now, Ross, in some very interesting fantasy games going forward. But let's start with Washington. Carson Wentz distributing his targets across the board, Maybe a little bit of a concern for Terry McLaurin. Four targets for McLaurin. That's fewer than Curtis Samuel, obviously, who had 11. Antonio Gibson, who had eight, and they got him out there on the perimeter. By the way, Gibson is a strong RB, too. Um, Even if he's not going to get all the carries, the fact that he had that great game as a receiver is is encouraging to me. Terry McLaurin gets four targets in week one. Fewer than Logan Thomas, who's 31 and is coming off an exploded knee. Hopefully just a small sample size, but something to consider. Jahan Dotson obviously scored the two touchdowns, and I think Jahan Dotson's just spectacular. So I would expect that there's going to be some pains here because Carson Wentz is the quarterback. He threw those two atrocious interceptions. One was, to be fair, a spectacular play by Trayvon Walker. Um, But the thing that I liked about Wentz in that game was we didn't turtle. You know, he came back, and um, Greg Cosell always used to use the term that Eli Manning would get, like, An amnesia after he threw a bad interception and it was a positive trait because quarterbacks are occasionally some more than others but are occasionally going to make a bad play you got to forget about it in the past I think those things spiraled for Wentz in week one I didn't see that he went after the interceptions he makes the great throw to Terry McLaurin for the touchdown he's leading the commanders to a win um so I'll give Wentz some credit for that he's a viable streaming option this week and Logan Thomas, by the way, um, if you're desperate for tight end, I know I mentioned Tyler Conklin. I thought he played over 60% of the snaps in week one. That's a big positive for me. And they could increase that going forward, especially given we know uh, Wentz's proclivity for throwing to the tight end.
0: Exactly correct. The Lions, Joe, the Lions,
1: Yeah.
0: their offense looked pretty good, man. DeAndre Swift's got some serious juice, and the O-line is for real.
1: Yeah, the O-line, I think that was a, a big concern. DeAndre Swift, chunk run after chunk run. Now, you would anticipate, Ross, that the commanders would tackle better than the Eagles did. Like, the Eagle. I mean, sometimes when, when people ask me, ooh, what happened to the Eagles' defense? I said, first and foremost, the lines are probably a little better than people thought. Um heading into week one they're going to be competitive this year but also I look at it from the perspective that you know pro football focus ranked the Eagles dead last in the NFL in tackling in week one and sometimes that's all there is to it the Eagles could not tackle DeAndre Swift they couldn't tackle Jamal Williams they couldn't tackle uh, Amon Ross St. Brown they just could not tackle in week one that being said DeAndre Swift's an RB1 In his last 11 fully healthy contests, he's averaging 19.4 fantasy points per game in PPR. Those are top five level numbers. And if the Lions are going to be better on offense, and I see no reason to think they won't be, then DeAndre Swift can occasionally cede a goal line touchdown to Jamal Williams, who plunged in two runs from the one yard line. Um You just hope at this point that DeAndre Swift doesn't get tackled at the one and they put Jamal Williams in the game because that's where Jamal Williams is going to make his impact because Swift still doubled him up in snaps, 67% to 33%. Oh, and by the way, Amon Ross St. Brown. He has eight-plus catches in seven straight games. This is from Rich Rebar. That is one shy of the all-time record, Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas. Wait, 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 wait.
0: Say that again?
1: Amon Ross St. Brown has eight or more catches in seven straight games. That is one shy of the all-time record. Wow. That's, like,
0: how come nobody else is saying that? I hadn't seen anywhere No,
1: Rich Rebar said it, and, like, that's how good Amon Ross St. Brown. And, like, here's the thing. If the Lions are playing, you know, from behind, which they might well be. I mean, obviously we saw it with the Eagles. They were down 17 points at one point st brown didn't do anything in the first half and then all of a sudden he's up to his eight catches his traditional customary eight catches that's a guy you cannot bench like yeah like he is a wide receiver too until proven otherwise he was underdrafted all all summer
0: okay how about the colts and the jags colts really let me down joe well this is their house of horrors indianapolis
1: they they i don't think they've won in jacksonville in like eight years um Okay, so this opened Ross at six and a half. It has been bet down to four. The Colts obviously favored on the road. This um, over-under opened at 46. It's been bet up to 47. So a little interesting there, expecting a good fantasy game. And uh, here's the thing with the Colts, okay? Their offense is simple to me. It is Michael Thomas, excuse me, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, and part-time players. That is what their offense is. And we know, I've said it on this very program, Matt Ryan has supported a PPR wide receiver one in 13 of his 14 NFL seasons by fantasy points per game. What did Michael Pittman do in week one? Nine catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. That'll play. He had 13 targets. All other Colt wide receivers combined for 14 targets and eight for 109 receiving. Alec Pierce and Ashton Doolin each dropped a touchdown. Only Paris... uh, So... Pittman played 98% of the snaps. The only other Colt position player to play more than 80% was Matt Ryan. And among the other wide receivers, the only one to clear a 60% snap share was Paris Campbell. So the Colts, to me, from a fantasy perspective, are Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, and in a projected high-scoring environment, hope. usually when the Colts are playing from behind and they are favored in this game... Naeem Hines, who had six targets in week one, can be considered uh, as a flex play. But the Colts are favored in this game. So I'm not really sure it's the right spot for Naeem Hines. If you want to talk yourself into Hines, consider that the markets are projecting a high-scoring environment here between the Colts and the Jaguars.
0: What about the Jaguars, Joe?
1: (sighs) I really got... I got shell shocked yesterday because I was doing a live stream at fantasypoints.com with John Hanson and our guy, Graham Barfield, by the way, who does an amazing job. He helps make me sound smart on this show. Um, And Graham said, he cannot shake the fact that Trevor Lawrence is Jared Goff with long hair. And that comparison just shook me. Trevor Lawrence is who? Jared Goff with long hair. (laughs) A, a, uh, a very gifted passer who admittedly has more mobility than golf, by the way which is not for nothing but a very gifted passer who's nonetheless very programmed when things are when things are protected well formed defined well formed the guy's going to tear you apart if you get him off his spot you see some of the inconsistencies he's from a fantasy perspective he's been QB16 or worse in 14 of his 18 career games so he's been a fantasy non-factor and you just wonder, how different are we talking about this game uh, for Jacksonville? Because obviously James Robinson is the story, okay? I faded him all off season. All the medical data about the Achilles was it's going to take time if it ever happens at all. I thought he looked great. I'll take the L on that. I would have done it again because of all the medical data. But how different is that game and how different are we talking about that game if Trevor Lawrence doesn't sail a touchdown pass over the head of Travis Etienne on the first series? ETN was wide open on a wheel route, and that ball was five yards over his head. And then, of course, ETN dropped one later, but we could be talking about a different backfield here where, oh, my God, Travis ETN's going to blow up wasn't the case. But what we're going to have is obviously a backfield rotation. Um, uh, Now, ETN, to me, still has the, quote-unquote, sexier fantasy profile. While James Robinson had 12 carries to ETN six, ETN ran 24 routes to Robinson 17. That's important from a fantasy perspective. But the other big takeaway, first and foremost, you can pick up Zay Jones and put him on the end of your bench. He is their starting X receiver. But Christian Kirk, I said this would become a theme on this program and the next program. Wide receivers in new homes getting peppered with targets. Christian Kirk got 12 targets from Lawrence. That's a 29% share. In the preseason, he had a 38% share. The Jaguars paid him like they're going to use him a lot, and he got the usage. Christian Kirk is a weekly wide receiver three and potentially
0: more than that. Ooh, love it. All right. Bucks and Saints, Joe. Now, did Dr.
1: Chow tell you, Ed, tell you anything about Chris Godwin?
0: Yes. Doesn't he's- think he's going to play till October. He said... um he, did, he thought it was – it's not like a binary thing for when someone can come back from an ACL, but he was kind of surprised that they played him.
1: I thought and, it was – uh, not overly
0: it. surprised that this happened.
1: Yeah, I, well, that was diplomatic from Dr. Chow because uh, – Uh, Just reading between the lines, now I'm obviously not a doctor, I think it was malpractice that they played Chris Godwin in that game, treating it like it was the Super Bowl. Now, they're lucky, because they do have Russell Gage, who was also, by the way, didn't practice for a whole lot of August, so he's still getting up to speed. Um, Fortunately, they did sign Julio Jones, and I'm not somebody who's going to tell you that Julio Jones is going to approach the dominance that Julio Jones has had in the past, but... I thought it was very interesting that Ian Rappaport on Sunday morning tweeted that the Buccaneers clocked Julio Jones as their fastest player in training camp. And that obviously sounds like, oh, yeah, oh, God, look at this guy carrying the water for Julio. You know, he's a future Hall of Famer. Well, it turns out, for next-gen stats, Julio was the seventh fastest ball carrier in the NFL in week one. The key is the Buccaneers played him on 52% of the snaps. I don't think they can possibly expect him to go 90, 95, 100%. But you keep him in that part-time role, that 60, maybe 70% without Godwin out there, Julio can still give you something, and he's clearly on the wide receiver three radar right now, especially since you know that Mike Evans traditionally has struggled with Marshawn Lattimore. I'm not telling you to bench Evans, but there has been struggles there. Maybe a little Julio Jones, a little Russell Gage. For your DFS lineups, if you really want to go contrarian Russell Gage, who's been dropped in a lot of leagues, by the way, um, I still think he's getting ramped up. I think he'll be utilized more in the coming weeks. Remember, he was out for much of August. And then, of course, Leonard Fournette is um, a bell cow until he gets hurt or until proven otherwise. Um, And Tom Brady, though, the protection with Donovan Smith suffering that hyperextended elbow, that's going to be a key to watch here against the Saints.
0: What do we make of the Saints offensively, especially the Jarvis Landry game?
1: Well, Jarvis Landry, he's got that dog in him, and that's that. that I think that's important. Uh, what a what a what a classic Jameis Winston game! Absolutely nothing for three quarters, and then the guy looks like Peyton Manning with a rifle attached to his arm for the last 10 minutes of that game. Like what a classic Jameis game. Um, look, what, what 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 we can see here is they have weapons and Michael Thomas looked very good. Jarvis Landry looked very good. And Alave gives them not really something that I would consider fantasy relevant right now, but he gives them that spacing uh, that that offense needs to create opportunities underneath for Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. That's good. Um, by the way, Alvin Kamara, I know, Ross, you talked about Eckler earlier. Alvin Kamara is another guy I've got people asking me about. Picked up a minor rib injury. They say he's going to be okay. Um, he he still played 62% of the snaps. That was 18th among running backs in week one. I think Alvin Kamara is going to be just okay, but he did pick up a minor rib injury, and that would explain some of the struggles that Alvin Kamara had in week one.
0: Ooh, okay. That's good to know. Um, the next game up, it's the Carolina Panthers at the New York Giants. A bunch of intrigue here, including Joe. Some people might have gotten Saquon at a really good place. Yeah.
1: Um, Giants. Giants are laying two at home. This open two and a half. They're laying two. Forty three is the total. Uh, I think. I think Saquon Barkley just looked freaking awesome. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, he led the league in rushing. Um, he led the league in fantasy points. Thirty three point four. He also led the position, by the way, in Snapshare, and his speed is back. Now, I understand Saquon Barkley is always going to be a guy who a couple of long runs are going to inflate his stat total, but he's a guy who can bust off those long runs in the way that, like, a Najee Harris isn't going to do. So I don't know if you can dock that against Saquon Barkley. I thought the play calling was creative. I thought it was great that Brian Dable... The two-point play was, hey, we're going to go for this win, and you know how we're going to go for that win? We're going to put the ball in the hands of our best player. I like that, and I thought it was a, thought it was good coaching. I thought it was a way, you know, Saquon really had been kind of uh, – uh, what, what's, what's the word? Uh, he, he had been lamenting, like almost becoming like almost negatively introspective about how little he enjoyed playing football under Joe Judge. What a way to get Saquon going in week one. Um, by the way, Kadarius Toney had two touches. I thought he looked great on them, but he played like 10 snaps. You cannot use Kadarius Toney. He's borderline droppable. Wandale Robinson picked up a knee injury. Kenny Galladay still looks like he's running in quicksand, which all leads me to say that Daniel Dimes, now I know it was inflated by a long touchdown, but Dan Dimes and his favorite target throughout his NFL career has been Sterling Shepard. That's a guy I'd be looking to pick up at the end of my bench. Shepard looked good coming off the Achilles in week one.
0: Okay. Now we got to talk Carolina Yeah, and Baker Mayfield.
1: <laughs> they got off to a slow start. Their blocking was atrocious, especially the run blocking, by the way. per pro football focus, Christian McCaffrey had 33 rushing yards. All 33 of them came after contact. I'm not good. McCaffrey did, of course, score, and he did play on eighty-one percent of the snaps in Week One. So you have—I mean, obviously, you have to play Christian McCaffrey. He has finished, by the way, as a top 50, as a top twenty PPR running back in forty-one of his last forty-two healthy games. That's unremar- thats remarkable consistency. Hopefully, we see the ceiling very soon. Um, there's two clear wide receivers here um, who you can use now. DJ Moore is going to get the ball more. He will, um, but. On every single Baker Mayfield drop back, D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson ran a route. That's that's very good news if you picked up Robbie Anderson. And I think D.J. Moore is going to get his. I want to see the offense play better. I want to see the offensive line play better. But there were some good things we saw in the second half uh, from Baker Mayfield and that offense. But if the offensive line doesn't get better, um, uh, by the way, the Panthers got absolutely crushed in time of possession in that game. They ran 55 plays. That was second fewest of any team. That's why DJ Moore only had three catches.
0: Last, but certainly not least, Joe, to wrap up episode one of our two-part here fantasy feast during the season, we got the Patriots at the Steelers. And the net net from Dr. Chow at Pro Football Doc on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today is that He's more worried about Najee Harris than anybody else seems to be.
1: Uh what what was his what was his takeaway? Um, because his
0: takeaway was that this is like a new injury, so now he's got two separate injuries to the same foot or whatever. And maybe even if he, you know, Najee says he's gonna play, Tomlin kinda, you know, slowed that down a little bit. But I guess my takeaway from Chow is that even if he plays, how effective is he gonna be?
1: Well, and also Unfortunately, we saw more of the same crap in week one from the Steelers' offensive line. This is a guy who had who had, what, 12 touches and gained 23 yards, something like that? <laughs> I mean, thank thank the Lord he found the end zone on that short passing play because the offensive line was not opening holes, and this is not an explosive guy anyway. So this isn't somebody who's like, oh, he's going to have 12 carries for 23 yards behind a bad offensive line, but, oh, boy, if he gets into the open field like Saquon Barkley, he's going to bust off a 65-yarder and really help you. Not that kind of guy. Um, again, I – I, I was a little skeptical and obviously not a doctor, but like I've, I've, I've spent enough time in this industry where I know what coach speak is and what player speak is. And I'm a little skeptical of the abbreviated timeline, and, but go, given how the offensive line looked, I don't know if I'm all that excited about Jalen Warren either. Mike Tomlin said uh, the biggest positive from Jalen Warren in week one is that he didn't pee his pants. Literally. That's what he said. That was the biggest positive in his NFL debut in a big spot playing in overtime. Um really hard for me to be optimistic oh and by the way uh Mitchell Trubisky ain't it like he just ain't like it it's the same crap we saw from Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago just doop, dink and dunk he'll be inaccurate down the field Deontay Johnson had 55 yards on 12 targets that's just not going to cut it on a consistent basis I it's the same crap from this offensive line and they needed to put more resources into it and they didn't do it
0: the Patriots offensively, Joe, not real good either.
1: Oh. Now, Ross. Bill Belichick is obviously maybe the greatest coach who's ever put on a headset. Certainly the greatest coach who's ever put on a cutoff hoodie. But how did anybody think a Joe Judge, Matt Patricia Frankenstein's monster offense was going to work? I I don't know, man. Mac fortunately, Mac Jones seems to be okay. Um Ty Montgomery got put on IR. Like, here's the thing I hate about three running back rotations, by the way. They rarely work except on, on teams that run a lot of plays, can get three guys into a rhythm. They're just putting guys out there. They talk up Ramondre Stevenson all offseason, and he runs the fewest route. He runs fewer routes than Damian Harris in that game. Ty Montgomery has 13 yards on six t- opportunities. And falls into the end zone on a wide open flat pass. Now he's on IR. Hopefully that helps them kind of restrict their offense. Get it back to just run the ball. Get Najee Harris. Uh, get uh, excuse me, Damian Harris is the early down. Ramondre Stevenson is the third down guy. That's clearly something I want to see. But their offensive line could not block in the preseason and it can't block right now. This is this this has the potential to be ugly. Pittsburgh is catching one and a half at home, off often an emotional win. That total opened at 43 and a half. It's been bet down to 40 at some spots. So, again, a game where there is a ton, a ton of under money coming in, and I cannot argue with that. Not the greatest fantasy spot here.
0: That'll do it for episode one of the show that's so nice, we do it twice. He's Joe Dolan, an absolute fountain of information at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL. We'll get you all the late games on Sunday and the two, not one, but two Monday nighters on episode two of the fantasy feast podcast. Make sure you're subscribing. Make sure you listen or watch youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, both episodes. I'm stuffed, but as always room for dessert. Thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, even money business of sports and the college draft all available at Apple podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day,